0: time. I'm your host, John Rodriguez, and welcome to our second season of the podcast. The title of this episode is From Judaism to Catholicism, the Chronicle of St. Edith Stein. Before we begin, we here at Hidden History would like to wish my mother a very happy birthday. She's a big fan of the podcast and never misses an episode. We would also like to give a quick shout-out to the Podcast of the Month over at the Deluxe Edition Network, our podcast family. Podcast of the Month is called Bev's Video Kingdom, and if you are a movie buff, this podcast is just for you. New episodes every Tuesday, available on all podcast platforms. That's Bev's Video Kingdom, B-E-V apostrophe S. Thanks for listening, and now let's get to the episode. In July 1942, a pastoral letter condemning the persecution of the Jews by the Nazis was read from all pulpits in Catholic churches throughout the Netherlands. On August 2, 1942, the Nazis responded by arresting all non-Aryan Catholics throughout the Netherlands. It's important to understand what the word Aryan meant to the Nazis, and so here it is. In Nazi Germany, the terms Aryan and non-Aryan were used to define those who belonged to German society and those who did not. The Nazis glorified the German people as members of the Aryan race, or the superior race. Furthermore, they specified that non-Aryan applied foremost to Jews, who were identified as the main racial threat to German society. The term was also applied to Roma and Sinti people, known also as Gypsies, as well as Black people. By targeting non-Aryan Catholics throughout the Netherlands in August 1942, the Nazis were sending a clear message. It did not matter if you converted to another religion. At the end of the day, you were still a Jew. The Nazis already had issues with the Catholic Church and were not going to allow Catholic priests to speak out against them. You see, Nazi principles could not accept an establishment such as the Catholic Church whose legitimacy did not spring from the Nazi government. The Nazis wanted the Church to bow down to them. To many Nazis, Catholics were suspected of insufficient patriotism or even of disloyalty to the fatherland, and of serving the interests of, quote, sinister alien forces. Nazi radicals also hated the Semitic origins of Jesus and the Christian religion. To put it simply, the Nazis couldn't control the Catholic Church, and so instead they took out their anger and hatred on innocent Catholic civilians. Such was the case with Edith Stein, a woman born a Jew who later converted to Catholicism and became a nun, She had been transferred to the Netherlands to protect her from the atrocities being committed by the Nazis, but in the end, her faith was sealed the moment she was arrested. Edith's story, hidden history that has remained long forgotten, is the story of a woman who ultimately remained faithful to both of her identities while trying to survive in a fluctuating and precarious society. Edith Stein was born on October 12, 1891 in the modern-day city of Wrocław, a city in Poland with history that dates back over 1,000 years. At the time, Wrocław was known by its German name, Breslau, since it was under the control of the German Empire. In 1891, the Jewish holiday of Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the Hebrew calendar, just so happened to fall on the day of Edith's birth. Yom Kippur primarily centers on atonement and repentance, two elements that would play a big part later in Edith's life. One cannot help but feel that perhaps Edith being born on Yom Kippur was more than a coincidence, that it was perhaps of symbolic significance. Nonetheless, born into an observant Jewish family, Edith was the youngest of seven children born to Siegfried and Augusta Stein. A few months before her second birthday, Edith's father Siegfried died, and her widowed mother Augusta took over management of the family lumber business. Thanks to her enthusiasm and talent, the company developed splendidly, despite initial difficulties. While Augusta dealt with the company affairs, her eldest daughter Else kept the house and looked after the children. It was also Else who helped her younger sister Edith begin her education on her sixth birthday. Edith was young, but already eager to learn and else arranged for Edith's acceptance to school in October, despite the fact that the German scholastic year began at Easter. By Christmas, however, Edith was already one of the best students in her grade. Hardworking and gifted, Edith possessed an iron will that she would carry throughout her life. Edith's brilliance continued to show itself throughout her school days, but one frustration she dealt with was the need to be first and always landing in second. She herself would later say it was because the headmaster was anti-Semitic. Edith was an intelligent Jewish girl whose ambition in those days was clear for all to see, and she was learning at a young age that objective merits count little when deep-seated prejudice is involved. Perhaps this is why when the new school year began in 1906, 14-year-old Edith suddenly decided to leave school and give up the idea of studying. Although it was a strange idea for such a smart girl to quit her studies, Edith's mother decided that a break from school might be good for her daughter. Edith was sent to live with her sister Else, who had married a doctor, Max Gordon, and was living in Hamburg with three small children. While in Hamburg, Edith helped her sister with domestic duties, which included caring for the children. It was also during this time in Hamburg that Edith moved further away from not only Judaism, but religion in general, later claiming she was an atheist from the age of 13 until she was 21. By 1908, Edith had a change of heart and returned home to continue her studies so that she could attend university. Over the next three years, Edith studied and learned Latin, higher mathematics, and other subjects, and she passed the examination in March 1911 that granted her entry to the next level of her education, university. It is certainly worth noting that while proud of Edith, whose outstanding intellectual abilities were now recognized by school authorities, Mrs. Stein was deeply troubled by the lack of religion in Edith's life. While it was true that Edith accompanied her devout Jewish mother to the synagogue whenever asked, Mrs. Stein noticed more than once that her daughter was not taking part in the service. Furthermore, Mrs. Stein feared that the study of philosophy, a subject Edith would go on to devote herself to, would sweep her youngest child more and more into the liberal current and away from her religious influence. From 1911 to 1913, Edith Stein studied at the university in Breslau, choosing lectures in German language and literature, history, psychology, and philosophy. It was a time filled with work for Edith. Not only did she pursue her studies exclusively, she also worked in student organizations that aimed to bring about reforms in the educational system or dealt with women's suffrage. Edith would later write, quote, When I was at school and during my first years at university, I was a radical suffragette. Then I lost interest in the whole issue. Now I am looking for purely pragmatic solutions. In 1913, 21-year-old Edith transferred to the University of Göttingen. There she studied under the mentorship of Edmund Husserl, an Austrian-German philosopher and mathematician who established the School of Phenomenology. At the time, anyone who was interested in philosophy was fascinated by Husserl's new view of reality, phenomenology, whereby the world as we perceive it does not merely exist in a Kantian way, in our subjective perception. I am certainly not an expert in the field of philosophy, so I will not try and break down Husserl's new view of reality. However, the important thing to take away from this is that Husserl's students were heavily influenced by his teachings, and many of his pupils were led to the Christian faith, including Edith Stein. Edith was not only a student of Edmund Husserl, but she was also his, te- his teaching assistant, and he later tutored her for her doctoral degree. It was also during her time at the University of Göttingen that Edith met the philosopher Max Schiller, who directed her attention to Roman Catholicism. Between diving into Husserl's world of phenomenology and coming into contact with the Catholic world through Schiller, the phenomenon or sensation of the Catholic Church had entered Edith's mind. But it was still a topic to be investigated, and as Edith put it, quote, "...I was as yet too much preoccupied with other things." I contented myself with absorbing, without resistance, suggestions from those around me, and thus was transformed almost imperceptibly. And Edith certainly was preoccupied, keeping up with her studies and earning her degree with distinction in January 1915, having focused on German studies, history, and philosophy. In April of that year, Edith decided to offer her services to her country and became a temporary Red Cross nurse. While Edith had been receiving her education, the First World War had begun in July of 1914 between the Allied and Central Powers, with Germany leading the Central Powers. This was a hard time for Edith, during which she looked after the sick in a typhus ward, worked in an operating theater, and saw young people die. Still, Edith was willing to serve her country and help in any way possible. August 1916, after the military hospital had been dissolved, Edith took the examination to receive her Ph.D. at Freiburg University, where Edmund Husserl had just accepted a professorship. Her dissertation entitled, The Empathy Problem as It Developed Historically and Considered Phenomenologically, was awarded a doctorate in philosophy with the summa cum laude honor. Husserl then asked Stein to become his teaching assistant, a role she happily accepted. Edith was a member of the faculty at Freiburg until November 1918 when she gave up the job, wanting to work independently. She returned home to Breslau, becoming socially and politically involved and taught philosophy at home. In the following years, Edith wrote a variety of scholarly works and tried unsuccessfully to get a job at a university. She wanted to be a professor, a goal that was impossible for a woman at the time. Herschel wrote the following reference for Edith, quote, should academic careers be opened up to ladies, then I could recommend her wholeheartedly and as my first choice for admission to your professorship. Later, she was refused a professorship on account of her Jewish ancestry. Edith also tried in vain to obtain a habilitation degree, which was the highest university degree in Europe, but the University of Göttingen rejected her habilitation thesis in 1919. Although Stein passed her doctoral examination with distinction, her attempts to habilitate failed due to the fact that Stein was a woman. It must have been extremely frustrating for a woman like Edith Stein to have to deal with these unfair judgments being forced upon her by society. Despite her intelligence and the positive contributions she could bring to German society and the world in general, There were many who viewed her as nothing more than a Jew and a woman before anything else. Soon she would add another label to the list, Catholic. Hey, life is scary when you wake up and realize you've hit snooze 16 times. We all deal with Sunday scaries, right? Sunday scaries are those, oh shit, stressful, nervous, can't sleep, dread feelings. That hit you on Sunday evenings when you think about work or school tomorrow or just freaking life. Unfortunately, you can feel that same pit in your stomach any day of the week. Sunday Scaries CBD gummies were made to defeat the crap life throws at us. Look, we all have the right to live scare free. So whether you need to take the edge off, calm your racing mind, sleep better or just chill. Take two CBD gummies every day to keep the scaries away. They even have CBD oil, ladies and gentlemen. Visit sundayscaries.com and use our promo code, HIDDENHISTORY, to get 15% off at checkout. That's promo code HIDDENHISTORY for 15% off at sundayscaries.com. Now let's get back to the episode. During the summer of 1921, 29-year-old Edith was spending her free time at the home of her friend, Hedwig Conrad Conrad Martius. One evening, Edith picked up an autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila and stayed up all night long reading the book. St. Teresa of Avila was a Spanish Carmelite nun who lived during the 16th century and was the central figure of a movement of spiritual and monastic renewal, reforming the Carmelite orders of both men and women. 40 years after her death, Teresa of Avila was made a saint, and 388 years after her death, In 1970, Pope Paul VI proclaimed Teresa the first female doctor of the Church in recognition of her centuries-long spiritual legacy to Catholicism. Edith was inspired by St. Teresa of Avila to devote herself to the truth, which was Christ. St. Teresa was drawn to Christ through prayer and through prayer to perfect union with him. Surely here was the goal of all Edith's philosophy, not only to know, but to live the truth. To live her ideal Christian life, Edith realized she would have to be a Carmelite nun. On January 1st, 1922, Edith Stein was baptized and on February 2nd she received the Sacrament of Confirmation in the private chapel of the Bishop of Spire. From this moment on, Edith was continually aware that she belonged to Christ not only spiritually but also through her blood. After her conversion, Edith returned home to visit with her mother. Mother, she said, I am a Catholic. Edith had expected a scene, harsh angry words, even to be disowned by her mother. It's important to understand that even casual Jewish families of the time were normally profoundly shocked when one member became a Christian. For devout Jews, it was an act of utter disloyalty to the faith for which time and again their ancestors had suffered persecution and to the whole Jewish race in general. Mrs. Stein was a most fervent Jewish woman who practiced her religion with the deepest conviction and whose great grief had been that her favorite daughter Edith was totally uninterested in Judaism, and now Edith had converted to Catholicism. The only way Mrs. Stein knew how to react was to cry. Once she started crying, this led Edith to tears. Later, however, after seeing the positive spiritual changes of her daughter, Mrs. Stein accepted the decision. Edith's number one goal since the moment of her baptism in 1922 was to join a Carmelite monastery. She held back, however, because of her mother, who she feared would suffer great sorrow at this decision. Moreover, her spiritual mentors advised her against this step, arguing that she was needed, quote, in the world. And so between 1923 and 1931, Edith worked in Spire, a city in Germany, as a teacher at the Dominican's Nuns School where she also translated and published scientific works. She also lectured at a number of academic conventions throughout Germany and abroad. In the spring of 1932, 40-year-old Edith accepted a lectureship position at the Roman Catholic Division of the German Institute for Educational Studies at the University of Münster, where she developed her anthropology. She successfully combined scholarship and faith in her work and her teaching and seek to be, quote, to a tool of the Lord in everything she taught. Quote, If anyone comes to me, I want to lead them to him, Edith would later say. In July 1932, federal elections were held in Germany and resulted in significant gains by the Nazi party. With 230 seats, it became the largest party in parliament for the first time, but lacked an overall majority. Six months later, in January 1933, German President Paul von Hindenburg formally appointed Adolf Hitler as Germany's new chancellor. Although he was chancellor, Hitler was not, yet an, was not yet an absolute dictator, but it was only a matter of time before millions of lives were destroyed due to Nazi atrocities. <laughs> On April 7, 1933, the Law for the Restoration of the Professional Civil Service was passed by the Nazi regime of Germany. This law claimed that in order to reestablish a quote national and quote professional civil service, members of certain groups of tenured civil servants were to be dismissed. Civil servants who were not of Aryan descent were to retire. Non-Aryans were defined as someone descended from non-Aryans, especially those descended from Jewish parents or grandparents. It was one of the first anti-Semitic and racist laws to be passed in Germany, and because of it, Edith was dismissed from her position at the German Institute. The Nazis had deprived her of the opportunity to work, so now nothing stood in her way to realize her long-prepared plans of becoming a nun. She returned home, where she shared her decision with her friends and family. There was no lack of questions and concerns on the part of the family, especially her mother, who made her daughter's decision difficult. By October 13th, the day after her 42nd birthday, Edith was on the train to Cologne, a city in western Germany. Quote, I did not feel any passionate joy. What I had just experienced was too terrible. But I felt a profound peace in the safe haven of God's will. On October 14th, 1933, She joined the Carmelite Monastery in Cologne, and on April 15, 1934, her clothing ceremony took place, during which she adopted the name Teresia Benedicta a Cruz, or Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Teresia was in remembrance of St. Teresa of Avila, Benedicta in honor of St. Benedict of Nursia. Edith made her temporary vows on April 21, 1935, and her final vows on April 21, 1938. It is worth noting that between the years 1934 and 1942, Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross worked on her most important publications, which included Finite and Internal Being, An Ascent to the Meaning of Being, and The Signs of the Cross, a contemporary on St. John of the Cross. She also worked on her incomplete autobiography, Life in a Jewish Family, which was a confession of her life as much as an apology in the literal sense being of Jewish descent, as well as many smaller writing projects. After the events of the Kristallnacht in November 1938, in which a wave of anti-Semitic violence was unleashed against the Jewish population in Germany, people of Jewish descent in Germany could no longer feel safe. It was decided to move Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross and her biological sister Rosa, by then also a convert and a person who handled the needs of the community outside the monastery, to the Carmelite Monastery in the Netherlands on New Year's Eve 1938. World War II officially began on September 1, 1939, when Nazi Germany invaded Poland, and despite Dutch neutrality, Nazi Germany invaded the Netherlands on May 10, 1940. Five days later, Dutch forces surrendered, and Sister Teresa Benedicta's life was once again in danger. By the end of 1941, preparations had begun to transfer Sister Teresa Benedicta to Switzerland, but it would take time to receive the the proper documents to travel, and time was running out. In July 1942, a pastoral letter condemning the persecution of the Jews was read from all pulpits in Catholic churches throughout the Netherlands. On August 2, 1942, the Nazis responded by arresting all non-Aryan Catholics throughout the Netherlands, which included Sister Teresa Benedicta and her sister Rosa. Together with many other Jewish Christians, the two women were taken to a transit camp in Amersfoort and then to Westerbork. At the Westerbork concentration camp, Sister Teresa Benedicta walked among the women, comforting, helping, soothing like an angel. She cared for the children who needed it, and as long as she was in the camp, Sister Teresa Benedicta made washing and cleaning one of her main charitable activities, and everyone was amazed by her. Hours before the deportation of Sister Teresa Benedicta and the rest of the baptized Jews to Auschwitz, a Dutch official at Westerbork was so impressed by Sister Teresa Benedicta's sense of faith and calm that he offered her an escape plan. The nun smiled at the man and asked him not to do anything to assist her escape. Quote, wasn't it fair that baptism not be allowed to become an advantage? If somebody intervened at this point and took away my chance to share in the faith of my brothers and sisters, that would be utter annihilation. On August 7, 1942, Sister Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, her sister Rosa, and hundreds of Jews were deported east to Auschwitz. On August 9th, the transport of prisoners arrived at its destination, and it was most likely on that day that Sister Teresa Benedicta disappeared into the gas chamber at Auschwitz. She was 50 years old. On April 1, 1962, the process for the beatification of Edith Stein by Joseph Cardinal Frings, Archbishop of Cologne, began. On May 1, 1987, Edith Stein was beatified by His Holiness Pope John Paul II in Cologne, Germany. Ten years later, on April 8, 1997, the final step required for the canonization of Edith Stein was completed, and on October 11, 1998, Edith Stein was made a saint by His Holiness Pope John Paul II in Rome. On October 1, 1999, Pope John Paul II declared three new patronesses of Europe, St. Bridget of Sweden, St. Catherine of Siena, and St. Edith Stein. On February 15, 2003, the Vatican released a letter written by Edith Stein to Pope Pius XI in April 1933, asking him to condemn Nazi ideology. The following can be found in St. Edith's letter to the Pope. Quote, As a child of the Jewish people who, by the grace of God, the past 11 years has also been a child of the Catholic Church, I dare to speak to the Father of Christianity about that which oppresses millions of Germans. For weeks, not only Jews, but also thousands of faithful Catholics in Germany, and I believe all over the world, have been waiting and hoping for the Church of Christ to raise his voice to put a stop to this abuse of Christ's name. Isn't the effort to destroy Jewish blood an abuse of the holiest humanity of our Savior Of the Most Blessed Virgin and the Apostles? Thank you for listening, and I hope that I was able to teach you all something new today. Season 2 of Hidden History will explore the lives of victims and heroes of the Holocaust. Many of their stories have been hidden in the pages of history and deserve to be told. Pictures, newspaper clippings, and links to external articles relating to a particular episode will be available on our website. Thanks again for listening. I'm John Rodriguez, and this has been Hidden History and Odyssey Through Time.